Hello everyone, welcome to the artist date with me, Jana Komarnitska, and my partner Pedro Bonato. And in this show we talk all things uh, creative related to work, like the two working artists. I am a dancer, teacher, choreographer, Pedro is photographer and musician. We live, work and travel together. And uh, Yeah, and uh, well, first, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, welcome. And uh, you can also have this as an audio podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google, uh, whatever they call, uh, Google Podcasts. So whatever you prefer. We have been on a little bit of a hiatus for <laughs> a month and change. And um, I guess uh, we should uh, mention well, first you should mention that I can talk again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was the main reason why we skipped uh, uh, basically our entire stay in Sao Paulo in Brazil. We didn't record any episodes at all because on the last week prior to that, I did a tooth operation, extraction of four wisdom teeth, and it went not as planned, not to go into details, but had some complications, let's say, uh, during the operation and the recovery itself. So it's already basically almost two months since operation. I'm still mm. feeling a little bit like things, but at least getting better. At least I can talk because for months it was actually more. It was would be would have been impossible even to think about recording anything like that. So now I'm back. Now we're already in Egypt. Right. Jumping we forward, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should mention. So Yana had this. Uh, we were at our last episode. Was still we were in this in the city of Curitiba in Brazil, which see where I grew up, and we spent there like a bunch of months. And then um, before we going to start our travels again, we were going to spend a month in Sao Paulo, and we both had a bunch of um, uh, projects to be done. Uh, there, but then uh, the the week before, Yana, as she said, did this, uh, took out four of her wisdom teeth, and that seemed to be a wise thing to do before our trips. But uh, sorry for the pun. But um, it, as Yana said, there were some complications. Those things that we don't know if it's negligence or bad luck or like incompetency or a combination of all of them. Probably more. Probably more of incompetence, but um, basically took Yana out for like a month or so, like that you basically could not even talk, uh, and um, we were worried about that. And then all the all the things that we wanted to do in uh, São Paulo got a little bit compromised. But still, the cool thing is that right now we are in our uh, apartment in Cairo, in uh, like about five minute walk from the pyramids and Giza and um, we're back in traveling mode, right? Yeah, this is a trip that's supposed to have happened a year ago when we were still in Ukraine. We were in Odessa and we literally were planning to drop to Kyiv maybe for a month, a few weeks and then go to Egypt, specifically to Cairo and things didn't happen like planned so we ended up going to Brazil and we spent there 13 months. Yeah. How do you feel about extended stay in Brazil? You're from Brazil, you yeah. left Brazil many years ago and then we were back. Yeah, it was, um, as with anything, you can see 
the good and the bad, when you can see as an opportunity, like even for like, let's say, unfortunate things that are like forced on you. So yeah, to me it was like, we were planning to be in Brazil, of course, plans right when the war started, we were in Istanbul and then we decided to go to, to Brazil. And the idea was to be there for just a few months. And then <laughs> the hope was that the war in Ukraine would have been ended and then uh, we could resume our travels and our projects, but that was not to be. And so in the end, to me, it was like very cool that we were able to stay in a way that long in the, in the country for a few reasons. Of course, it sucked that we were not there by choice, mm -hmm. so to speak. So that sucked, but I was able to, like I left Brazil like when I was, I think 29 to 30. So it has been 15 years since I left Brazil as in I don't live there anymore. And uh, then we lived in Canada for a long time and then in, in Ukraine and then traveling around. Um, but it was cool to come back to my city so that was really, of course, to stay with my parents uh, uh, for a few months after the, um, uh, after the war started. That was very cool, too, to be able to help out there and to stick around and spend more time with them. That was kind of cool. And then being able to stay in my, the city where I grew up, even though I was not born there, it's a city that, like, it's, it was my home. Uh, it was cool to come back and... Uh, see a lot of the things that have not changed in the country and then the things that definitely changed or at least that I noticed after leaving. So that was interesting and then at some point we said it's time to go yeah. and um, we were actually thinking of, uh, it was at the one year mark like uh, on uh, the 21st of whichever month it was and then we decided to stay a little bit longer and stay in Sao Paulo for a couple projects there, but then in the end it was basically a recovery time. We would have actually uh, left Brazil on 21st too, like 13 months on 21st, but it was funny because we booked tickets, we already had tickets out to Cairo, and then at some point during one of the casual conversations we discovered about one big event, uh, Mercado Persa, which is one of the biggest festivals in terms of number of participants, I think maybe even in the world, like it's enormous, uh, that happened in Sao Paulo. And I was like, I was sure it was in, it was happening in May. That's why I didn't check neither dates, nor like who's coming, etc. And then in casual conversation, like uh, with one dance friend, like she mentioned, oh, I'll see you in Sao Paulo, I'm coming for this, are you there? And the festival was starting on 21st and we had tickets on 21st, but then we also discovered that some of, one of our good friends uh, is coming to be a guest teacher at the festival and I was like, there is no way we can go away like in this date. So we were lucky to change tickets and somehow it was for free, yeah. which was surprising, but a little tip like don't be always scared if you need to change tickets, if it's exactly like we basically were just switching the, the week. So it was the same flight, the same time, the same day of the week, same destination, but like a week after. And uh, 
somehow even operator on the phone and I was checking she was surprised like yeah like the system doesn't charge me anything I can confirm tickets so that's how we ended up leaving not on 21st but technically without even trying it was uh, something about 21st <laughs> <laughs> yeah important date yeah so uh, so yeah so then I guess this is a coming back episode that uh, that uh, for this project and in a way it's uh, it's a start because we're actually like going towards the kinds of travels and the lifestyle and projects that we wanted to do it kind of feels like come back to where we stopped where we were interrupted let's say yes it's after an interruption that's that's uh, that's sort of how it uh, yeah that's how it feels and um, and so yeah, like on future episodes, we're gonna focus, of course, a lot in uh, in uh, Egypt. Egypt and Cairo and uh, everything. But I think for this, um, we were trying to decide what would be the topic of this. But then I was like, I'm not really sure. I think we'll find out the topic as we as we, as go. we go along. I think it's this transition between countries and uh, coming back. And uh, uh, you were talking about the long stay in Brazil uh, which was cool in a way like regardless of its reasons why it happened this way but itself it was interesting experience and that's what uh, I was thinking literally yesterday about this too like that's what's really appealing to me uh, in terms of traveling because I am as a dancer as a ballet dancer I know a lot of people who travel for work who work as international traveling dancers like the Ballet Dance Life podcast. I interview many of them. We meet them all the time. Some of them are good friends. And uh, many people who I talk to, like, like it's a very cool like idea and lifestyle of like working as a traveling from festival to festival. You can visit, I don't know, some people visit 100 countries visiting these festivals, teaching workshops, performing there. Uh, but the more I was talking with, the more I realized and discovered for myself, not for them, for myself, like I would probably not like to have it as my lifestyle mm -hmm. because the way of travel that I actually enjoy, it's a long time travel, long stay travel, or at least like for a few months you can go and uh, enjoy some spots for longer so it's not only hopping from one place to another every two three days or anything like that but actually enjoying the stay and kind of sinking into life you will never be local especially if the cultures are different but it's a little bit getting more in touch and not having that touristic rush or like not necessarily touristic or work rush that uh, or there is very limited uh, time and I need to go there, 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 there. You know, like after this short vacations, people often say like, oh, now we need vacation after vacation. Because yes, vacation, a short time, it can give you the burst of emotions. Like you see this, this, this and that. But then it, you kind of need to rest after it. It's so much physically and emotionally draining. And I was just thinking about... That with Brazil, what happened, it gave very interesting perspective of the country. Because I was in Brazil 
quite a few times, I think three or four times, and we were coming like for a month or so sometimes, but it was always different. And that time we also were in different cities and not just visiting as a relatives, we were also living in some cities on our own or like uh, meeting with some people, trying to work, but it was on a day-to-day -day pace. And I'm kind of excited to have the same opportunity for Cairo and Egypt in general that it's not try to be packed like all in a shorter like amount of time but it's more like combined of course you're like visiting your tourist here but is that all combined with like day-to-day -day regular activities trying to figure out some like day-to-day -day life uh, i don't know groceries uh, work uh, uh, just meeting with people hanging out without rush that oh but i need also to see pyramids and this museum and that museum and go there and there and there and then you kind of feel relaxed and then let discover things spontaneously and not be pressed by time like oh i can like literally yesterday during daytime you discovered oh there is evening concert yeah let's go yeah okay, the, um, at the same time one thing at least for when you're going to stay longer in, in a place, you also have to be careful not to <laughs> just let opportunities pass, yes. let's say, because yeah. uh, you get sort of like relaxed, oh, we have time, we have time, we have time, and then sometimes at the last week you have to pack a lot of stuff because you didn't do all those things. So there is, it requires a level of planning that uh, we're still like getting like used to, I think, uh, what's the best uh, experience of uh, not rushing but not going too slow? Mm -hmm. So that's uh, we're learning that like in Cairo, but like I guess it was very interesting seeing the difference between being in Brazil and then here in Cairo. We're not going to talk much about Cairo specifically. But just specifically the idea of being a foreigner, I think mm -hmm. that's one of those things that um, it's, it's a privilege to anyone that travels that you're able to go to different places and how you're going to be treated there will depend on who you are, what you're doing and who you're meeting. Uh, but I was thinking, because we are in this, let's say, quest for a home in a way too, like where are we going to live? whenever we decide a place to live is something that calls to both of us. We talked about this in different episodes. Um, and you're trying to home shopping as in country shopping, I guess. But uh, it's, um, it's interesting because like I was, I was born in the city and I lived there until I was eight. So then I actually moved to a different city. It was in Brazil, but the culture is very different. The accents are different. The food is different. Like, so there is enough of a contrast mm -hmm. that you basically get, you're a foreigner. You all, you get poked from being from that place. That happens everywhere. I know that like in France, if you're from South Paris, it's different than if you're from North Paris or uh, like people are very particular about where they're from. But... Um, I always had a little bit of that fish out of water, like being outside, so being a foreigner in that way. And the place that I felt the least foreigner was in Canada, mm -hmm. of all places, because there's like people, especially Toronto, from everywhere, and Canadians specifically, they are very cool with um, people coming from 
other places. Um, but I actually felt a bit of a foreigner in, uh, even in Brazil, because I hadn't lived there for a long time. And then certain things I would, they would annoy me to no end. Or they would, like of ways of doing business, ways of doing things, like that um, you get used to a different standard and then it's like, well, what's that about? And the, also the fact that we were there and I was visiting a lot of my, my, old, like my oldest friends and it's always like you're coming from a different perspective than they are because they are there, even if they travel a lot, they are in that city as their base. So you're coming to visit you're not from there, so there is even that. And then, of course, when you come to, to Cairo specifically, which is, a, uh, and then Egypt in general, that uh, it's a city in the country that is for tourists, in a way, because it's one of their main uh, economic um, uh, activities, uh, you do feel like a foreigner here. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, one of those, uh, it's one of those things that it was, even though, I was not expecting it. I was expecting it, but I was not expecting it to be so strong. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't want to rush myself with conclusions because we are also in a very uh, specific area. Like, we are living right now in Giza, which is, as you mentioned, five minutes away from pyramids, which is both very local area. And tourists come here a lot, but usually they come here with two buses. Like it's not that many tourists who live live here. So people who live, it's usually who work either close by shops, close to pyramids, or at pyramids, or in general they just like Providing their families. For yeah, or the, historically their families like here. But the the neighborhood is super super. Uh, I guess I can put like raw local, uh, and I know we heard like talking to different people that other districts of Cairo they're very different so uh, in terms of feeling as a foreigner for me it was also a very interesting experience like in contrast like with Istanbul mm -hmm. because Istanbul is a lot too like touristic places and we go like you know we even say we were joking like oh Kanel Halil is Grand Bazaar of Cairo like there are some similarities like uh, of course it's different cultures but there are certain like you know similarities there are touristic attractions big in Istanbul just like in Cairo we've been in Istanbul a lot but the vibe with touristic and being a foreigner is different but again I kind of don't want even to rush to go much into this topic myself mm -hmm. because I know we are also in a very particular district we are living here so once we start going out or maybe move uh, next month or so uh, to a different district it may be a very different experience of Cairo too yeah, and, uh, and also for you, it's different because for you, you have been in Brazil as a, as a foreigner for all that time. Yeah, but right? before that, we were in Ukraine. I was like local, so I know how you yeah. do And it's exactly the same. There are things that will annoy. There are things that you will feel like a foreigner in terms of like how that is happening. And you look around and everyone else is okay with the situations as if like, oh, it's normal. It's acceptable. And for you, like, like what's happening? Like, really? Seriously? So I do know like this... Uh, uh, this feeling that's why I, I think we talked a little bit about that as I didn't comment about it but yes in Brazil I was a foreigner uh, and it's also interesting different perception 
of foreigners in different countries, but it also depends on the environment. Because in Brazil, we had a little communication with like general, like, I don't know, when we go to stores, like, etc. Uh, but we also had a lot of communication with your friends or with uh, people like we worked a little bit together. So there I felt like a for I was not just a foreigner, I was your wife. So it's also different like perspective here. We we're both we are wife and husband yes. like we don't have local husband and wife so it's also different uh, uh like approach to people that they approach here as a tourist and especially in these hot touristic spots that the a lot of things are happening because with that approach oh i see you once in my life and you're never coming back here because your tour bus like coming like leaving in like few hours and for us it's like oh no we're actually coming back so it's kind of finding the vibe, let's say, for yeah, now. Yeah, and uh, but I think we should mention too that uh, even for me, like this idea of like being a, a foreigner in a way, like even though I visited, for example, stayed what a month and a week in um, in São Paulo, and uh, I remember visiting São Paulo many times when I lived here, but it was always for a specific purpose, for like one, two, three, four days. In my previous life as like worker in the ministry in like in the uh, government of Brazil that I used to work, um, then I would go for work trips. So you'd stay in the hotel, you go to the conference, and then you go away. Or when I was a student and I was considering doing going to study physics, like so. Then I, I saw this talk from uh, um, I was what like eighteen, nineteen, and considering switching. Um, uh, switching majors and it was such a terrifying thing but I started reading the works of Marcelo Glazer he's a Brazilian uh, astronomer that lives in uh, astrophysicist that lives in uh, in the US and he he wrote a lot Carl Sagan he wrote a lot of uh, popularization of science books and I got one of his books and I actually went on a night bus from Curitiba to Sao Paulo get the subway, it was my first time on the subway, and um, going to his, see his lecture, getting his like his autograph and all that stuff, and then coming back that night. Uh, so that was my, uh, my experience of Sao Paulo was always like in and out, mm -hmm. and always sheltered. I was never there living. And then we decided to go to Sao Paulo, and then the place we found was actually, let's say, close to downtown, which was not recommended, but it was a very rough neighborhood. Well, we thought we thought it was far enough from downtown. Like we knew that downtown in Sao Paulo is not the best area to live, and we thought it's far enough. But when we arrived there, we realized not really. <laughs> yeah, and uh, coming from like the city where we were, Curitiba, even though it's Brazil, there is safety issues in any place, but it's not a violent city by any stretch of the imagination, especially compared to, to Sao Paulo. And so there is this joke that my best friend is from Sao Paulo and we had, his dad used to make this joke that when Sao Paulo is done, it will be amazing. And it's never done because they keep building like bridges and things. So it, it's, it keeps being built and rebuilt and changed all the time. So. It has some planning, but not really. It's sort of planning around chaos. 
Yeah, but the main thing that you briefly mentioned safety, I think that's an interesting topic to dig in because I was really impressed. I was in Sao Paulo once before during our first visit to Brazil, but it was also like three days we were living at your fr with your friend uh, and it was kind of like go there, go there, meet these people, meet that people and then leave the city. Like it was very, very quick visit, but I didn't have this impression like this time, like although we spent lots of time in apartment just because I couldn't do anything, you can, couldn't even walk much in the sun or anything like that. But the times when we went out, I was shocked, like everyone, everyone we talked there local, like right away was talking, oh, careful safety-wise, careful safety-wise. and. Although in Cairo, let's say, I feel much more as a foreigner, way more than in Sao Paulo that feel... You mean safer? No, as a foreigner. But ah. I kind of feel in terms of safety, I was thinking, okay, in Egypt, like what can... According to feel, not that it cannot happen, like things happen, bad things happen everywhere, but here, according to feel, it feels like, oh, okay, I can be scammed for money as a tourist, like maybe they will overcharge something. And the... The biggest like safety issue is traffic or crossing the road, <laughs> but I don't feel a fear, constant fear that someone will come and rob me or poke with a knife. Like in Sao Paulo, after a few days, after a few walks, first few days we were very naive, yeah. and then afterwards we discovered, and it was just uh, to the point that we were trying not to take both phones all the time with us, and the people were saying that. Uh, they have a habit of old phones, they don't throw them away, they don't try to sell them, they just keep this damn. So if someone comes to rob you on the street at 10 or 11 a.m. during daytime, it can happen literally, it's, I mean, I'm not talking about evenings, but literal daytime on a crowded street. If someone comes to rob you, you can give him your old phone, but your actual phone will keep you will keep with you. And it's something that is kind of People do. It's not like a crazy one-time story. Oh, see how smart I am. I keep my two phones. Like, no, it's just, that's just what people do. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, safety has always been a very big problem uh, in Brazil. Like, I remember like even my sister got in Curitiba, got like one of those uh, uh, flash kidnappings that they basically take you to the ATM so you can take your money out, that kind of stuff. Um, like that happens and then Sao Paulo and Rio specifically are very, uh, it, it's funny, there are places they're supposed to be very safe and then other places which is basically a no-go zone. But even like the safe places, right, Paulista, the main big square, so crowded, what, it was 11 a.m. I was at the hair salon oh, yeah, and yeah. you went to coffee and you said someone tried to rob you, 11 a.m. crowded street. Yeah, 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 that, that happens too, like they, that in a way is sort of like you being uh, being seen as a mark, being seen as a let's say tourist or someone that is not from São Paulo, and the way that they approached me there, it was funny because, so Yana said she went to to the hair salon. It's like oh let me explore, let's go around, and then I see this old church, and uh, I said oh let me go inside the old church. I go, I take a look, I sit, and then at some point I go out, and then <laughs> and then this guy. Um, starts walking sort of behind me and then he says oh be chill be chill this is not a robbery you can relax but give me money give me, basically asking for money and then what i did was i just looked around and then i 
basically simply stopped and started walking on the other way. And then I went into like a restaurant, so he kept going. Um, so it was this, I remember when I was mugged in Brazil before, uh, when I was like 13, 14, they basically, one was one time was at a gunpoint and the other time it was like, they just go fast and they just want you to get your stuff and, and go away. Uh, in this one, it was as if he was a beggar, so he would have that plausible deniability later, I guess. But it was very, let's say, hostile the way that he was doing, like walking sort of behind me, but very close, um, and talking under his breath. So that was uh, that was interesting. As you said, it's like Avenida de Paulista, which is one of the main uh, streets there. Um, to be fair, it was on a side road from Paulista. <laughs> But yeah, but that uh, that happens, and I was thinking like one of the things that happened. Uh, unfortunately, a little bit of dark humor, but like when I was in Odessa, and I was at the gym, and I was talking to one of the guys there, and he was like one of the fighting instructors at the gym in Odessa. This is right before the war started, mm-hmm. uh, not right right before, but like let's say a month so, before, yeah. uh, and um, because he was into MMA, he was talking a lot about. Uh, uh, like uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and they said, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm from the city where uh, the Vanderlei Silva used to train, and then we were talking a little bit about that. And then that's one of those questions that always comes when people talk about Brazil, which is, oh, is it safe? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. And um, and then he, I told him, like, oh, no, no, like, Brazil, it says, oh, it's very dangerous, right? And I remember thinking, like, because that's what you hear all the time and since i had lived in brazil for a while i was sort of like oh not offended but like oh it's brazil is not all like that that kind of stuff and i said well we do not have tanks from russia next to our borders thank you like uh, so it was one of those uh, those things and but then at the same time of course he's correct like rio is a very dangerous city uh sao paulo is a very dangerous city other cities in brazil like fortaleza recife they also are like very dangerous, and depends who you are, it would be even more dangerous. Um, it's dangerous for businesses, even close to where my parents were. There was a shooting in the street. There was that they closed off like streets. They had uh, people would actually lock their stores even during business hours. Yeah, that's during daytime. Basically, any store you need to go and to clarify, like where your parents live. To me, it's like a village. It is. It's a village. not like even a big city or anything like that, or, or medium-sized city. It's like it's a five thousand people. So these little shops, they will have a glass doors, so you can see, oh, it's open, there is a like uh, assistant, shop assistant there, but the door is locked, so you need to wait so for her or him to see that who you are, who is trying to get, and they will come to the door and open it for you. Yeah, that's... And, and that's not even a touristic place, it's just yeah. a problem of criminality in the country in general, and supposedly getting worse, but I hear about getting worse since I lived there. That's the other thing that is kind of interesting, at least for me as a, let's say, my foreign perspective on my own country, was when we were going to the dentist so many times to uh, to check like Yana's progress and uh, the complications that happened, and they had the TV on mm-hmm. uh, all the time, and we don't watch TV for like, so I don't know, if, never owned. The we TV. never yeah. have to do. Uh, um, <laughs> 
and then uh, we were watching the news and I was thinking, oh, wow, like, yes, in the afternoon, they have Sessão da Tarde, that is the, let's say, afternoon session, that they show, like, old, uh, like, they show movies, and then they have uh, the telenovelas, the Brazilian soap operas, that are from like 20 years ago, they show there, and then they have the news. And uh, the, uh, on the news, it's basically about something about corruption, some flooding somewhere, because infrastructure is not appropriate, so if it rains a lot, it will flood the whole place. And um, uh, slidings and destruction of houses that happen because they build on like the favelas, the, sh the, the shanty towns that they have in Brazil, they build in very, let's say, precarious uh, ways and then if it rains mud slides down and destroys the house sometimes uh, people die and I was thinking I was eight watching the news and it's basically the same thing the same like news intonation that they have on on the news that they can't seem to shake it off anywhere in the world it's always that sound that way of talking like now we're in the news and they so it was interesting to see, like, oh, it's the same problems. Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's just like, I guess, with Ukraine of having its bad neighbor uh, next to it that won't leave you alone. And then, um, and then even seeing, like, uh, like here in, uh, in, in Cairo, that it's, uh, or like in Egypt in general, that it has been a country since the end of uh, ancient Egypt that has been taken over by different cultures, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it attracts people from all over the world to come and see, and then they adapt to... Yeah, but there is them. also in every city, uh, literally city, not even country, every city you go, there are some sort of local rules that are known and almost automatic for local people and that you need to learn. So all that we are talking, it's not just like to scare, let's say, never go to Sao Paulo or like anything <laughs> like that. But there are some things that you need to be aware of. Like for instance, the things that we mentioned that you may be robbed. So don't go with your jewelry out or any valuables just like in case. Uh, or another thing that we, on the first day, the situation just got to my mind that it was typical, like, oh, local rules that are not written anywhere and how you're supposed to discover them. So the first day then we were still naive, we were walking a little bit. Uh, and then on the way home, the GPS uh, went us, we had basically to go over a bridge, a long bridge, not to cross it, but to go over like as an arc above other streets, we need to pass it as a pedestrians. So it's a huge bridge, or relatively huge bridge, with a pedestrian sidewalk, which is built, created as a structure of the bridge on both sides, nice, like separated, actually even a little bit lower level than the car's level. Uh, and it's like all separated on both sides, like on go, just use it. It's a normal pedestrian pathway. But then we look and all pedestrians are literally going on the traffic part, on the car's part. Yeah, on the sides, on the sides. Of, the, of the where the actual traffic, like the actual cars are going, and then, not on the pedestrians part. Yeah, and it was like, that's strange, that's stupid, like why would they go with all these cars like passing by, like no separation and kind of, it's a little path for bicycles, the bicycle may go, like why would you go there? So we was like, no, we are the correct one. We'll go on the pedestrian. And then we start walking and I think about like 50, 70, maybe 100 meters in. It's like, 
It's strange. We are the only ones there. And, there and was it's a long a path. Terrible smell. Yes. It's a human waste. And we kind of got hesitant for a moment and we stopped and started looking like literally. And you can't even see throughout the whole bridge because it's slightly curved. And I, I remember having a thought like, oh, what if it's someone in the middle of bridge? Like what? what? And then the lady from the car side, she saw us there, like sort of hesitant. And then she, she, she said, started talking. basically, she said, no, 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 don't go there. Walk through here. She was actually escorting us back to the proper place to... Uh, proper <laughs> to, 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 to go and then she was saying like basically everybody there has a story about being mugged and that's if you go on uber they try to break the window so they break the window on one side and steal the phone of the uber driver on the other side that's a very common thing and every single uh, uber driver that we went there they 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 told about this uh, this problem. This lady got mugged literally at the beginning of the bridge, and then we decided that unfortunately we would not be walking yeah. that much. But to clarify the situation, basically she said that those pedestrian sidewalks, which are built for pedestrians, but they have the most dangerous parts, uh, uh, one of the most dangerous parts to be mugged or robbed yeah. because someone may be in the middle there. That's where they do drugs, that's where they, because they have a huge homeless population, it's a problem in many Brazilian cities, uh, specifically Sao Paulo and Rio, like, uh, but then in Sao Paulo, especially after COVID, but they have like, 700,000 people living yeah. in the streets. They have a gym under a bridge. That was impressive. It's that not expected yeah. at all. So they build things under the bridge and then it becomes a, like a sort of like a, a settlement. And they put, and then they have the policies, independent of the politics of it, but like they have the policies of not moving those people. So they're there. And there is a, something about the infrastructure of a city. So where are you going to? defecate and urinate and shoot up drugs on the bridges, on the top of the bridges, so those corners, that's what, one of the places where they do it. And, and then at the same time, you go a few kilometers away, because I had there the experience of going first time in, what, four or five years floating, like I went to the sensor deprivation tanks, and um, Yana gave me as a gift for my birthday. And they went there, and that place was like super high, the, the, that neighborhood was all super high-end and nice and well-built and all these nice buildings and nice streets, uh, no homeless people. And then I was thinking like, yeah, that's the contrast of, of, uh, yeah. of Brazil. And, um, but anyway, it was interesting to see that, um, that, uh, that like, yeah, you have to be mindful that it would be dangerous. And at the same time, people in Brazil, ironically, we're like, oh, you're gonna go to Cairo, that's so dangerous. Because of course, the Middle East, if you see uh, like the notes, the notices about travel, if you go to, for example, the, the US has a very cool, like um, their foreign affairs, I forgot the name of the, the website, but it's a cool, uh, um, it's a cool place to take a look. Canada has one too, that is notices for international travels of the safety of different places, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember going to like Punta Cana, and uh, yeah, you go to a resort, on the resort is fine, a couple of the cities are fine, just like Mexico, there are places that are nice and there are places that you are like, 
at the mercy of a cartel. Um, in Egypt, I assume it will be, they have so many military checkpoints everywhere and the metal detectors going to basically every building. So they take seriously uh, like security, but at the same time, we know with Arabic Spring and all the, the things that happen and sometimes terrorist attacks and all those things, that it's not necessarily a safe place to be. But just like many other cities, like in Europe, like how many unfortunate uh, attacks were like in Paris, let's say, like, you know, or... Barcelona. Yeah, so it's a question of like trying to be in tune and discover, hopefully in advance, whenever it's possible, like what the kind of like local rules, like even if it's Sao Paulo, like it, we discovered on spot and we were just lucky, like we had very old phones and so nobody really wanted them. <laughs> Whenever you looked at your GPS, like, <laughs> okay, we do need to get new phones, but for <laughs> now it's actually working to our benefit. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's more like just being prepared because where is a really safe place? Like there are some places that are safer, yes, but pretty much every city will have at least bad neighborhood that you don't yeah. want to go in. Yeah, so. there are of course like objectively safer places than others. Like Tokyo is safer than Chicago, but or Toronto, it's a very safe place too. Uh, but there will always be trade-offs. Yes. Right. So there's always trade-offs, and then is that dealing with the level of uh, danger that you are, um, let's say, willing to uh, to to encounter? That's something to to see. But um, yeah, I guess that's um, that's what we we can finish off on. <laughs> like, but uh, so. Technically, unless we decide to have more operations or whatever, <laughs> like we're back. Um, we'll be more often yes. appearing on your screens or yes. headphones. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, on the next episode, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Egypt and our experiences uh, here. And, so far. Um, yeah, so far. Um, as we mentioned, we are back on track after our interruption uh, to travel, explore, and uh, let places change us and teach us things. And uh, thank you for staying with us until now. My name is Pedro Bonato. This is Jano Komarnitska. This has been Artist Date. You can find all information about previous episodes here on, on YouTube or on Spotify, wherever you get your um, get, get your, your content. Uh, you can also go to yanadance.com slash artistdate for a list of episodes. There you can uh, send us questions, make comments, make requests. Um, if you'd like to know a little bit more about our like style of uh, life and traveling and, uh, and all that. And with that, I guess, uh, anything else you want to say? No, I think I uh, wish you uh, safe walk-ins and explorations and safe trips and we'll see you next time see you